I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the season four premiere of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so much for listening. I have two parts for you today. In part one, we'll talk about Lorenzo Insigne's arrival in Toronto and the rumors of Napoli being interested in Cristiano Ronaldo. And in part two, we'll talk about the new schedule. I'm joined by a couple of regular guests today. It's been far too long since we've had Gaetano Salazzo on the pod. Gaetano, welcome back. What's going on, guys? Good evening. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And we're also joined by Vincenzo Bertillo. Vincenzo, how are you? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to kicking off the season with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I think it's going to be a good one. We were chatting about this offline, how, you know, it's kind of the first full season of stadiums being open. There's a lot of change. Clubs are spending money. Players are transferring all over the place. So I think it's going to be a really exciting season. Speaking of players transferring, (laughs) that's where we're going to start. And, you know, this story is, it's a little bit, uh, you know, maybe a week and a half old now, but I think it's its still one that I didn't get a chance to speak to anyone on the podcast about. So I want to talk about it now. And that's Lorenzo Insigne's arrival in Toronto to join his new club, Toronto FC. He landed on Friday, June 24th, which was a specific reason for that, because Insigne obviously wears the 24. Toronto is the six. So that was 24 six. That was, there was a whole marketing thing that, you know, Insignia probably could have spent more time at the event had it not been for that very reason. He, he went straight from the airport to Cafe Diplomatico, which is in, on College Street in downtown Toronto. He was greeted by Napoli and TFC fans alike. Vincenzo and I happened to be there representing Napoli Club Toronto. We actually had about 20 to 25 people there. And in truth, we were making all of the noise. <laughs> we, we ended up being all over local media, both in Toronto and Napoli, especially the Napoli Club Toronto president, Carmine Guadagno, and Vice President Sereno Verdoliva. And he even made it to the mainstream media in Italy. You know, all the big papers picked it up. Apparently, we were on Sky Sports. We had some people messaging us on Twitter about that. So that was pretty cool. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because we were met with some pretty mixed reactions, I would say, on social media. There were a lot of people who were really supportive and they said we represented Napoli well and they thought it was really cool and all of that. But there were also a lot of people who were critical of us. And the common theme I saw from the critics was that they felt we were supporting a player who chose to leave Napoli. Then I'll come to you first since you were there. How would you respond to those criticisms? 
Look, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. As a fan, I'll just give you my, my perspective. Our perspective is, you know, of us who were there celebrating his arrival, if you gave any of us the choice, what would we prefer? If it was up to us, we would have all preferred Insigne stayed on Napoli. I think every single one of us would agree with that. But since it seemed like perhaps the president didn't really want him to stay and Insigne felt that it was time to go, the fact that he moved to a, a league like MLS, you know, it's a league which is in no way competition with Serie A or with Napoli, you know. I would understand these Napoli fans feeling that way perhaps if, let's say, we lived in London and Insigne transferred to Chelsea then I would kind of get where they're coming from more because even though Chelsea is not in Serie A, it's still another big club in Europe. We could easily face Napoli in Champions League. I mean, we've we faced Chelsea before. So in that case, I would relate to their feelings more. But the fact that he came to MLS, to TFC, I mean, it's almost borderline another sport. And now, you know, we can be, and we can be fans of TFC, our local MLS team, and be fans of Napoli at the same time. Obviously, if you ask any of us which one takes priority, I think it's it's a landslide for Napoli. But since he did leave that league and essentially left European football and came to our backyard where we're going to get to see him up close and play in front of us, you know, we have to be welcoming to him and celebrate him because he's one of our favorite players. He's a Napoli legend. And we being a North American audience don't get to see these players up close. And because I don't feel like TFC is competition with Napoli in, in any way, shape or form, I personally felt, you know, that I was happy to welcome him and that there's no real conflict there. But if people disagree, then, hey, that's up to them. I think you pretty much hit all of the points that that I was going to say as well. It's, you know, truth be told, I'm not the biggest MLS fan. I, I've never really been, you know, I, I'll follow and keep an eye on scores and things like that. Go to the occasional match. But like you said, nowhere near as big of a fan of Toronto FC as I am of Napoli. But there are members of the Napoli club Toronto who are big Toronto FC fans or season ticket holders. And for them, they're also viewing this as supporting a new player. And, and I think the way we looked at it was that once the decision was made that he was not going to renew with Napoli and and we can debate who's responsible. And, you know, everyone, like Ben said, you have different opinions there. Some people blame Insigne for not taking a pay cut. Some people blame the club for not paying him more. You know, he did effectively take a pay cut for a really long time while he was at Napoli. You know, he could have gone to Barcelona years ago. There was, you know, he gave up his, his image rights like all Napoli players do. So, you know, whatever your opinion is on that and who's at fault, once the decision was made for him to leave, then from a Toronto fan standpoint, you still want him to be there because like we were saying a lot on social media, we live 7,000 kilometers away from Napoli. It's not every day that we get to see a former Napoli player in the flesh, right? Yeah, you know, we all make the occasional trip to Italy or Napoli and catch a game and you might, you know, you'll see players play. But this was also an opportunity to meet someone in person as well. You know, a lot of the club members got pictures with Insignia. Unfortunately, we didn't, but we were very close. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more opportunities over the next four or five years. Gaetano, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, because obviously living in Toronto, Vincenzo and I are going to be a little bit biased on this. You don't live in Toronto and you've been fairly critical of Insignia for leaving Napoli for that big payday. So I think you can probably give us, you know, the alternate perspective what did yeah. you make of the whole reception that he got from Napoli fans in Toronto? Listen, but aside from how I feel about Insigne and, and him leaving, and you know, I, I thought I thought he's past his prime. So him not getting the money and everything else, like you said, Joe, it's it's a different conversation. If he were to leave, if he had to leave, going to MLS, like Vince said, it's basically a different sport, really. And you know, I quote unquote support the Red Bulls here in, in New Jersey, New York. Like you said, Joe, I go a couple of matches. I was just at the match the other day. Actually, they play Toronto. And, um, you know, for, for you guys to be to get the chance to meet somebody like Insigne, who, all jokes aside, is obviously somebody who was representing Napoli for the last, you know, better part of a decade, is a once-in-a-lifetime, right? And a lot of you guys, like you said, Carmen, everybody was on stage, <laughs> introduced them, basically. I mean, I don't really don't understand how you can, you know, hate on that. I guess there's a little bit of jealousy, perhaps. 
you know, with all the stuff I've talked about in senior, if he came to the Rebels, I'd be the first one in line, you know, screaming, you know, the, the chant, you know, when he scored and everything else. And, you know, we have to be honest and we have to be fair. It's, it's an opportunity to meet a, a club legend. Like I said, my feelings apart about how good he actually was with Napoli or his leadership role <laughs> with Napoli for you guys to get that opportunity to, to meet him, introduce him to the city, really basically. And like you guys said, you were making all the noise uh, <laughs> at the event. And for the guys who are starch supporters of, of TFC, they get to see him week in and week out for pretty cheap because I know MLS tickets are, you know, are not super expensive. So it's just great all around. If, if you were to leave, it's the best possible solution. Yeah, exactly. That's how we look at it. Now, I can appreciate how maybe the way he left and the amount of money he took to go might have sort of tarnished his reputation for some fans. And he's not been shy about spending money and taking advantage of his now owned image rights. I mean, just to give people and I may be putting some fuel on the fire here. But first, he walked off the plane in a Celine hoodie and jogging shorts, I guess you can call them that retail for about 1400 euros for the the pair <laughs> then in his first week in toronto he bought a mercedes-benz g-class which costs about a hundred thousand euros or hundred fifty thousand dollars and he also did an ad for hublot I, I don't know i couldn't find the exact watch but it looks like that style ranges from like 25 to 50 grand so in his first couple of weeks he's just either he's throwing money around of his own or people are throwing money at him but he's taking advantage either way so yeah i can get if that's uh, you know rubbing people the wrong way because they wanted him to stay and that would have required him to take less money one thing that a lot of people don't know because it's not something that was sort of publicly put out there but toronto fc actually reached out to the napoli club toronto to help in this event so this this was obviously we were happy to do it anyways but it was also supporting toronto in in that regard and the whole point of the chance that we were doing was to make him feel at home which again was something that toronto fc wanted they you know a big part of i think the sales pitch that they made to insignia is that there is a big italian community in toronto and it was trying to get him to to experience that and i think he did appreciate it because he was actually there there wasn't supposed to be a photo op actually called over the napoli fans to go take pictures with them and then it ended up being cut short pretty quickly by the security but that was a big part of it but some people were acting like you know we like vin said that we were supporting a player going to chelsea or, or maybe another steady at team and i don't think napoli and toronto fc intersect all that much at least not in anything meaningful maybe they might someday have a friendly or something but for that reason i don't think supporting insignia in toronto makes us sort of any less of a Napoli fan. The last thing I want to say about this whole thing, and then we'll move on to the other big story, which is the whole Cristiano Ronaldo rumors, is that I think it was a little disappointing to see that Napoli as a club didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, with all the media attention that this event got, I have no doubt that they would have seen some of this stuff in the media and, and the Napoli club Toronto and De Laurentiis loves to talk about the millions of Napoli fans around the world, but the club really makes no effort to interact with those fans. Unlike Toronto FC, who, as I said, they reached out to us specifically to participate. We're also involved in a docuseries that they're working on that'll come out, I think, a couple of days before Insignia's debut with Toronto. Napoli has not made that effort. And, and I know the guys from the Napoli Club Toronto have tried reaching out to Napoli, the club itself, and they've gotten basically no response. Okay, so that's all I wanted to say on that subject. I know there are a lot of people out there who will still disagree, and that's totally fine. We're all adults. We can we can accept different opinions. Let's move on to Cristiano Ronaldo. On Saturday, David Ornstein of The Athletic reported that Ronaldo wants to leave Manchester United. He said Ronaldo loves the club, but he wants to compete in the Champions League. He said Chelsea and Bayern Munich have been told about this situation, which really means that George Mendes has offered Ronaldo to these clubs. I think we all know that's what's going on in the background. But he also said that Napoli are interested. <laughs> Naturally, that has sent Napoli social media wild. Gaetano, do you think there is even a remote possibility that Ronaldo signs with Napoli? <laughs> I, I don't want to say 0% chance because anything is possible in life. But I don't know, point. Five percent chance that he comes to Napoli. Uh, I'd be shocked. I mean, he makes a ton of money, as we all know. 
He has a million endorsements, which doesn't bode well with the IDL um, business model of image rights, as we all know. I mean, listen, personally, I don't even know if I'd want him on the team. I don't know how, how well he fit tactically. I don't want to get too much into a on-field discussion, but the last couple of years that you went, last year you went to and now, man, you didn't really make that much of a difference on the field, I feel. Um, you know, he's 37. Would he be somebody who brings a ton of eyeballs to our city and to our team 100%? Would he make the money back in, in sales of merchandise most likely within a month? But just locker room-wise and tactically, I don't I don't love the fit myself. And to answer your question again, Joe, I mean, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he comes. Once we address the realistic chances of him actually joining Napoli, then we can talk about more a fun hypothetical. If he did, you know, how would how would that work? You know, would it work at all? Yeah, I think as you noted, first of all, his age is an issue. I mean, he's 37 years old. We know that Laurentiis doesn't like any players over 30. Now, I guess you can put an asterisk next to Ronaldo because his physical condition is probably much younger than his, you know, his age compared to the average uh, athlete even. But if you look at the purchases we've made already, Oliveira, Varishkelia, they're younger guys. And a lot of the guys that we're linked to are younger as well. We reduced our average age of our squad from 28.9 to 26. So we're lowering that average age. Obviously, Ronaldo would, would shoot that up. The Laurentiis has been very open about lowering the club's wage bill. And he's been executing on that objective, right? Like, I think it was Corriere dello Sport that wrote about all the players that have left so far, so Manolito, Ospina, and Mertens, even though those are not sort of Mertens, who knows, and Ospina seems pretty much on his way out, that Malqui Twanzebin, if you add up all of those, the savings on all of those salaries, and even if you add the salaries of Oliveira and Caparazzelia, it's 21 million euros net, which is about 40 million euros gross. So he is achieving that outcome of lowering the wage bill. Now, obviously, if we extended Mertens, that would be reduced a little bit, but even Mertens would end up taking a pay cut. So it's still a net positive for the club. Ronaldo makes something like 24 million pounds per season. So even if he took a pay cut, we'd be spending way over our our budget for this summer salary. And for that kind of money, you probably could have extended Ospina, you could have extended Mertens, you could have extended Koulibaly, and maybe even brought in another big player like a Dybala. If you, you know his wages, they're talking about five and a half plus some crazy fees. That's stopping those deals from happening. So it doesn't seem to make sense, but I think at the same time, it's easy to convince yourself that it could be possible. And, and Gaetano alluded to the reason why, because there's this potential with, with all of the off-the-field revenue that Ronaldo would generate, whether it's shirt sales, merchandise, whatever else, that he kind of pays for himself. If you look at his social media accounts, the guy has the most followers on Instagram, period. <laughs> like He's top of the list, and, and he's pretty close to the top of the list on the other platforms. He's third most followers on Facebook. He has the fourth most followers on Twitter. Of course, as Gaetano mentioned, De Laurentiis would have to make an exception to his rule of not allowing players to keep their own image rights because there's no chance Ronaldo would be giving those up to come to Napoli. He might, I mean, there's been reports that he might take a pay cut, but I don't think he'd be giving up his image rights and his brand is bigger than the brand of Napoli. So I think that's something the club would have to accept. You put all of that together and it just seems, I was going to say impossible, yeah, but maybe we'll say extremely unlikely that that he'll join Napoli. But Vin, before we move on to, you know, how he would fit if he did, do you have any thoughts on just sort of the, the likelihood of, of him joining? Be- before Vin starts, I just want to also say Elmas is not giving up the number seven. So that's a problem. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a non-starter <laughs> because of the, the shirt number. Yeah. I don't think there are very strong chances that he's going to come, you know, on a good day, if I'm thinking really optimistic, maybe 5% chance at the most. But the only reason I, I, that I even think it's there's a slight possibility is the fact that we do produce our own kits right now. And I'm trying to think like Adel would think, being the, the film producer that he is, obviously he wouldn't be able to or even dare ask for image rights from Ronaldo. But it's your own kits 
that you're selling, not Adidas kits, not Nike's kits, is having Ronaldo be the model for your kits with his name on it tempting to ADL? And is he looking at that as, as an investment in the imaging and the marketing of Napoli? You know, there have been rumors that perhaps uh, by the year 2026 at the 100-year anniversary, ADL may be looking to possibly sell Napoli. Well, if you want to sell Napoli, then having a young squad with one out-and-out world superstar like Ronaldo at the team, it does, you know, bring the brand up, bring the overall, you know. There's a reason why, for example, the only other sport I follow that I can compare to is there's a reason the UFC sold at the height of Conor McGregor's fame. You know, having that one worldwide superstar who is famous even to people who don't follow the sport, like Cristiano Ronaldo is, does help as far as your overall brand. And for that, you know, mainly for that reason, I think there's a slight, slight, slight chance. Obviously, so many things would have to align. He would want to have to come to Napoli. He would have to take a, a, a serious pay cut. But maybe he's thinking, you know what? He's always looking at the comparisons with Messi. Messi, he, you could say, took the easy choice going to PSG. If Ronaldo were to come, even if it's just one year, and let's say win the Scudetto with Napoli, the legendary status of Ronaldo and the way he would get treated. I mean, he has a big ego. If you want to, if you want to feel loved, Ronaldo, if he comes to Napoli, will never feel loved like that. There'll be murals on the wall within, you know, before he even lands. So I can imagine why Ronaldo may be tempted. It could kind of be his version of what Zlatan did, but even more even bigger because, you know, Milan won 10 years ago and Napoli haven't won since 90. So, you know, again, I can imagine why there may be a slight temptation for Ronaldo. I can imagine why there may be a slight temptation for ADL. And of course, look, we can say what we want about you know, Ronaldo on the team, but the fact of the matter is even this year in a very bad Man United squad, I think he still probably scored 20 goals. So, you know, Ronaldo at 37, he still would absolutely contribute on the field as well. I don't think Spalletti would would complain if if you know and say, oh, I don't think I could fit him in. I think playing next to Victor Osimhen is probably the best striker that he would be playing have played with since he left Real Madrid with Benzema. So, again, I think the least of our problems would be how he would fit on the field. It's more just you know, will all those stars align as far as. Ronaldo wanting to take the pay cut, ADL, you know, making the sacrifice and all that. I don't think it's likely, but on the other hand, you know, I won't completely rule it out just for those reasons. The one thing that might appeal to Ronaldo and maybe to any superstar about Napoli is that, you know, the fame that comes with delivering a Scudetto because only one other player did that for Napoli. And we know how big his ego is. So just the idea of being regarded the same way that Maradona is, though he won too, so maybe you wouldn't get quite to that level. But to return a Scudetto to Napoli, he would get all the, all the glory that he loves to have. So that, that may be something that appeals to him. So now let's have a little fun and just assume the stars do align and Ronaldo does come to Napoli. And you know what? I wonder if in, say, 1983, um, if people were having similar conversations back then about Maradona, like, ah, you know, there's no way a guy like that's going to come to to Napoli cost too much. And I mean, there were different factors that played back then that, that got him to Napoli. I don't think the club raised all the money on their own, but maybe it was just as unlikely back then. So let's say he does end up in Napoli. Gaetano, do you think just by dropping Ronaldo into the current squad, and let's assume that there's no other changes around him just for financial reasons, do you think that would make us an automatic Scudetto contender and maybe even a Scudetto favorite? Well, like we were talking about before uh, we got on air, I think we go into the season with a chance to win the Scudetto. Uh, I think we'll make a couple more tweaks uh, to the team and you know, top four is the goal. Let's not kid ourselves. But I think we go on, you know, 20, 30% shot of winning. That's how I feel. I just, it is, again, I use top physical condition. I get all that. What does he play in our system? Like, he's, he can't play fourth if he can't play on the wing. He's, he's not tracking back <laughs> on the wing. He's not doing that. He can't he can't play 4 2 3 1 because, again, he's not tracking back. You got to play 4 4 2, probably, which I don't know if Spalletti ever has. Uh, I don't think so. Or four four one one behind. Anyway, he has to play next to Osimhen. Does that work? Yes. 
will Spalletti make it work? Yes. But to your point before, Joe, with, you know, let's say he cuts his, his wages half by half. 12 million euros a year. You know what you could do with 12 million euros a year? You could sign Dybala and two other studs in their prime. Because Dybala's in his prime. Say what you want, all right? I know he's injury prone. I get all that. But I'd rather have Dybala than, than Ronald. That's just me because of age and everything else. But even pick two other names. It doesn't matter. You can have two incredible players who are probably in their prime. I just, again, would it make us favorites? Probably up there with Inter. I would say so, yes. But, um, I, again, I don't, I don't love it tactically. That's just me. Yeah, I agree that you'd have to adjust the formation to play around him. And that's where you then have to look at the rest of the players and see, assess, can they play in a 4-4-2? I think actually what might work even better is a 3-5-2. So you still have the two strikers up front. Maybe you put someone like Oliveira as the left wing back and Di Lorenzo as the right wing back, or you you keep Di Lorenzo as a another center back option and play someone else as, as the right wing back. But yeah, because of his his age, as great physical condition as he's in, he's not going to be able to track back too much, and he's not going to be able to press too much. But that's where you know you get Osiman to do the pressing because that guy can close people down pretty quickly. And you know Ronaldo's going to score goals. Like you just look at his track record. Yeah, maybe some are penalties or whatnot. But the guy, if there's one thing you know for sure, he's going to score goals. There's no denying that. And the other thing that a lot of people have been bringing up that's you know a positive is that he is a serial winner. You know, there. I, I just saw someone posted a video today on Twitter of uh, him in the locker room after, I think it was Dom, who uh, Dom the Barber, who posted it of Ronaldo in the locker room, furious about how Juventus played. And, you know, there were mixed opinions in, in the reaction. Some were, were hating on Ronaldo. Some were kind of praising that winning mentality. And he probably wants to win more than most players in that locker room. So, you can think of reasons why it would be good to add him to the squad. I do wonder whether, you know, how it affects the rest of the squad. And and the other thing that worries me as well is if Napoli don't finish in the top four, like United did. Now, I know United is a mess and they've got all kinds of other problems. So, you know, a lot of people have pointed out that United would probably be a mid-table team had it not been for Ronaldo and all the points that he single-handedly got them. But if you finish outside of the top four, there's risk because... We've just seen with United, they did they finished outside of the top four and he wants to leave because he wants to play in the Champions League. And if that happened in one season, you may not have enough time to generate enough revenue to offset that cost. I have a few points. You know, first of all, we've been talking a lot in the past about Napoli's biggest weakness being our mentality. We have no real winners, no real champions. A lot of people use Latani Ibrahimovic as an example where, you know, he barely even played this season, or let's say he only played maybe maximum half of the season, but a lot of people still give him credit, just his presence alone being a serial winner. Well, if Zlatan is a serial winner, who's 40, then a 37-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo, who's won way more than Zlatan, particularly on the European level, and who's been a Ballon d'Or winner, I mean, he's on a completely different level even to Zlatan, if we're being honest. So there's there's almost no one on earth who would probably bring a better winner's mentality to a team than Ronaldo coming to Napoli. And the fact that we are, you know, going for more of a younger squad, I actually think that's great. I think it's almost harder to go in maybe with some other bigger egos, but I think like people like Victor, people like Quicha, people like, or however you would say his name, uh, you know, all these young guys, I think they would be overjoyed to have Ronaldo be a part of their team. And also, you know, you don't feel he's really going to hold anyone back because at most he would stay at most two years. If that, so these young guys, it's not like, oh, they're having, having a guy in front of them for the next five seasons. It's going to be hard to break in. No, I think if he were to come, you know, I think that all the players would be happy to have him. The coach would be happy to have him from a mentality standpoint. And I also think he still guarantees you goals. And I think with a striker like Victor, who's that mobile, who's that press oriented and that fast, and then you have a, a players like Lozano and other... I think, you know, if you have a front three, for example, and two of them are young and quick, you can get by with one older guy who's not going to press as long as as long as it's just one one out of the three. Or, or like we said, we could change the formation. I think that's the least of your worries. If you have a champion like Ronaldo, you find a way to make it work. You may start 4-3-3, find it doesn't work, switch to 3-5-2. I think that's the least of our worries if we bring him in. 
basically, I think if we can afford him and if he wants to come, we should absolutely go for it. I don't think that we'd be better off going for like a Dybala because to Dybala to me, he doesn't bring a winner's mentality. He's been on the bench for Juventus. He's 10 years younger than Ronaldo, but who has played more consistently over the last few years? Who do you feel physically will hold up more over a season? 37-year-old Ronaldo or 28-year-old Dybala? I don't even think it's close. And Dybala in his prime never was even in shouts for Ballon d'Or, whereas Ronaldo's still having shouts for it, and the guy's almost 40. So I, I don't even think they're they're in the same realm of possibility. If we're talking about Dybala straight from Palermo, okay, that's a different story. And frankly, Dybala fits into our formation perhaps even less. I mean, he's always had trouble fitting into formations because he doesn't really have a nailed-on position. He's kind of a second striker. He's kind of a false nine. He's kind of a number 10, but he doesn't really have the work rate that a, that a coach like Spalletti likes out of his number 10s. So I actually think that Dybala is a worse fit mentally, physically, and tactically than Ronaldo. So if we're talking about comparing them two, I don't even think it's a comparison. And I also don't think you get that much, um, you know, uh, worldwide recognition from having Dybala either. Yeah, I actually think Dybala fits better in our system than Ronaldo does, but I don't want to get too into the weeds on that. I, I'll, I also don't want Dybala anyways, for the other reasons that you mentioned, but Let's close part one with a, a quick, fun question. I'll come to Gaetano first, and then I'll come to you, Vin. If you had to choose between signing Ronaldo or extending Mertens, which one would it be? Mom, I mean, that's a good question, Joe. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Wow. You're tugging at heartstrings. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I asked it, because I think we all know who gives us a better chance of winning. But oh, man, yeah, I mean, listen, if I'm thinking logically, like <laughs> like a normal human being, you take Ronaldo every day, but as a Napoli fan with, with blue, as all of us, right, uh, running through our veins instead of red, I, I'm taking Cheeto for like two more years. <laughs> i got to be honest with you. It's insane to say, but I, I mean, top leading scorer in our club's history, uh, I, I can't do it. I couldn't I can't say it. It's gotta be Cheeto, but uh yeah, tough. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> okay, Ben, how about you? I mean, why do you do this to us, Joe? <laughs> you know? What an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it it's hard because then you have the heart factor in there. You know, Cheeto Mertens means so much to the city, and you know, he's he's done very well. But what I will say is that they're not far off in age. I think Mertens is maybe a year or two younger, but clearly has dropped off quite a bit physically. And here's the thing is I'm going to choose Ronaldo and I'm going to choose Ronaldo for the main reason that I don't think Spalletti himself loves Mertens. When we had him this year, he did, he, he underused him. And so if Mertens is going to stay on, but the coach himself is not thinking of him as central to the project, that's what would make me lean Ronaldo. If if it was a coach who, let's say it was a Saudi type coach who we felt absolutely like loved Mertens, really wanted Mertens to be still central to the project and saw him as a main contributor, then perhaps I would think differently. But for that reason, mainly, I think, you know, we've, we've had Mertens for his entire prime. We weren't able to win. Let's try something new. But obviously, I would love to have them both. <laughs> Vin, Vin, let me ask you a question. Sure. Brought up Sarri. Does it change your answer if in that scenario he goes to play for Lazio and we still get Ronaldo? It would hurt. You know, it would really hurt to see Cheeto play for, for any other team in the league. But personally, I don't see Lazio right now as competition for Napoli. They were, I think, 16 points behind us. And I don't even see their project as being as um, having as high a ceiling as, let's say, Roma's project. If Mertens were to go there, he would be what? Back up to Immobile? I mean, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be that worried about it. I think it would hurt Mertens more than it would hurt anyone to go there. Yeah, I mean, more like, you know, emotionally. <laughs> Not yeah, on the it, it, would, it would suck to see him play for anybody else in Serie A, but... If it wasn't, as long as it's not Juve, Inter, Milan, any of these teams who I really feel are the real direct rival, then it's not as bitter, I guess, I would say. Yeah, well, I mean, if you trust his Instagram, maybe he'll be joining Capri or something like that. So, uh, if it, For me, since since I put you guys through that, I'll, I'll make a, a selection myself. I'm going to go with Chiro. I don't think Ronaldo guarantees a Scudato as much as he increases the odds. 
I think that's ultimately, you know, the decision, right? Do you, do you go for a guy we call Chiro, who's not actually born in Napoli or, you know, a guy that gives you more of a chance to win the Scudetto and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just very patient and I'll, I'll wait another 30 years for the next Ronaldo to come, maybe Messi Jr. or Ronaldo Jr. to come along and maybe they, they join Napoli. So I'm going to go with Mertens, but maybe what I'll do is I'll post a poll on our uh, social media and we'll see what, what Napoli fans think about this after the uh, the episode posts. The last thing I want to say is that, you know, kind of an, an in-between them both would be bringing Cavani in, which would be great as well. He's a, a Napoli legend and he, he brings, you know, that winning mentality and still contributes on the field. But I think that's not as realistic because I don't think ADL sees Cavani as being a big marketing factor as well. So yeah, I don't know why I felt like just throwing that out there, but it's almost like he's kind of the in-between choice. He's halfway between Mertens and Ronaldo. So I just, for whatever reason, thought I'd throw that out there. That didn't happen either. And, and maybe the actual answer is that we don't get anyone, which is really sad. So <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll close part one there. We'll talk about the new schedule. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to part two of the Fortsonopoly podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Fortsonopoly pod. It's entirely voluntary and there are no set tiers. Alternatively, you can support the show by sharing it with a friend and leaving us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. All right, so let's talk about the schedule next. The full schedule was released on June 24th, the same day Insignia came to Toronto which is earlier than we're accustomed to. And that's, of course, because we have the World Cup in Qatar in the middle of the season. For the same reason, the 2022-23 campaign will start a week earlier and end a week later than it normally does. There will be an international break in September to complete the Nations League group stage and AFCON qualifying. I think for many nations, other than Italy, those matches will be viewed as preparation for the World Cup. The World Cup will commence on the 21st of November, which is about a week after the 15th round of Serie A. It will end on the 18th of December, and then we'll have our usual winter break, and then Serie A will start again in the first week of January. With respect to Napoli's schedule, Vincenzo, is there anything there that stands out to you that's sort of worth noting? You know, I would say it's a pretty good spread. You can't really ask for anything better. You're always going to have little periods where you look, oh, that chunk is a little bit more difficult than the others, but I don't think we can really complain. What I don't have on hand, and I kind of wish I did, was I actually saw online someone posted, it was the games that we had in the weeks that we have Champions League games. And some of those weeks, I think Milan was one of them. I think Fiorentina may have been another one. Those I worry about more, you know, thinking of the fact that we're going to have a Champions League game and a tough game on the weekend. But frankly, being in Champions League is still, in my opinion, a lot better than playing on Thursdays. So I'm not as worried about it. And I do think that we will reach the end of the season with hopefully better depth overall than we've had in some time. So frankly, I, I honestly don't think we can complain about the schedule other than the fact that I really wish, like I think most of us do, there wasn't a World Cup in the middle of the season, but that's kind of besides the point. Yeah, so we won't actually get the Champions League schedule until the 25th of August. So I don't know how maybe people are kind of estimating. Usually Champions League matches, especially in the group stage, happen over two weeks. So it may be... I mean, maybe they're looking at it saying it's it could be before a Milan match or after a Milan match. It could have been a Fugazi schedule. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. I mean, and the way our, our schedule, as you pointed out, the way the matches are kind of spread out, you're bound to get some matches where you have a Champions League game before or after sort of a big match in the league. I looked at the schedule, and unlike last season where we had long stretches where we didn't have too many difficult opponents, and then stretches where we had you know four or five or six really strong opponents in consecutive matches this season we don't really have that and the worst i could find is 
match days 11 to 13 where we play Roma, Sassuolo, and Atalanta back-to-back, and then match days 25 to 28 where we have Lazio, Atalanta, then a slightly easier one against Torino, and then Milan. But other than that, I think it's a pretty balanced schedule. Gaetano, was there anything in the schedule that stood out to you? No, I mean, I think you guys hit on all the major points. Um, you know, you made a good point just now. We usually have a stretch of games, a stretch of weeks where it gets pretty rough, a little bit of a gauntlet. I don't, I don't see that on the schedule at all. And I'm really happy about the way we start the season. I don't see too many crazy obstacles there. We should do pretty well right off the out of the gate. You know, Fiorentina, obviously, always a tough game. And I think that after that, we don't really play, quote-unquote, tough game until, until we play Milan. Uh, a few weeks later, uh, almost a month later. So, you know, if last season is an indication of how things are with Spalletti as the manager, we should get off to a pretty good start again, which would set us up, hopefully, again, to have a shot towards the end of the season. It's pretty balanced. I'm hopeful. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm very hopeful. Yeah, one thing that a lot of fans who are a lot more observant than I am pointed out was that if you look at the schedule – Almost all of the matches we play against teams that finished in the top half of the table last season. In the first half of this season, they're all away matches. Other than Juve and Torino, all the other top 10 teams from last season, we play away in the first half of the season. But, I mean, we were better away from home last season than we were at home. So you could look at that as a negative. You could look at that as a positive. And obviously, the opposite is true in the second half of the season. So that would mean that... Juve and Torino are the only teams that we play away in the second half and the rest of them are at home. So I I don't really know if that's a a positive or a negative. Now, we do have the dates and times for the first five matches of the season. Our first match is on a Monday, the 15th of August against Hellas Verona. That one, I think, is a bit of a tough fixture. I mean, it's always a bit tough playing them away from home. It's the fourth time in the modern era that we open the season against Hellas Verona away from home, at least as far as transfer marked tracks and stuff. Maybe there were other, you know, in the 20s and 30s or whatever. But uh, the first one was Maradona's first ever game for Napoli. So there's, and, and that's still something that's significant. I mean, every time I preview a Napoli Verona match in Verona, we think back to the times of Maradona's first match. Our first two home matches are both against newly promoted clubs. So you would assume those are going to be both wins. They're both at home. First, we host Silvio Berlusconi's Monza on Sunday, the 21st of August. So that'll be Monza's first ever away match in Serie A. Then we host Lecce, who returned to Serie A after only two seasons in Serie B. That's a Wednesday match, and it's sandwiched between what I think are two difficult matches. You mentioned Fiorentina as one of them. The match on the other end of that is Lazio. So I think that could be a tricky one. Again, that one would be at the Olimpico. The the Fiorentina match is on the 28th, which is a Sunday. And then the Lazio match is on the 3rd, which is a Saturday, which is a bit curious when you have a midweek. So we're playing Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, which is going to be a, a pretty brutal week. So looking at those five matches, Vincenzo, what do you think would be a realistic number of points that we should collect or should expect to collect from those first five matches of the season? Given how strong we started last season and the the pattern of Napoli usually start pretty strong and so does Spalletti, I don't see why we can't get, let's say, 12 out of the 15 points to start. I think that would be good. Obviously, you hope for a perfect run, but let's just try and be realistic. Let's say 12 points. I think that would be great. Yeah, that's actually the exact number that I had. I think you assume you beat Monza and Lecce, and then you have to win two out of the three matches against Verona, Fiorentina, and Lazio. And I think that's, they're difficult teams, and you can draw points to any of those guys. But I think, you know, if you want to compete for the Scudetto, even at this early stage of the season, you need to pick up some points in these matches. The last thing you want to do is drop points and already start behind the eight ball and, and play catch up against you know, Inter, Milan, Juve, whoever, whoever is up there. For sure. I wouldn't be surprised if we got all 15. I mean, we did last season in, in the start of the season. It wasn't until, you know, later on where we had more trouble. But, you know, I don't want to go and say, I, I'm going to assume we're going to be perfect again. No, absolutely. And and again, not to harken too much back on last season, but we had all the injuries and COVID and all of that stuff going on. 
Gaetano, what what would you say through those first five matches? Again, we have Verona, Monza, Fiorentina, Lecce, and Lazio. What would you say is a realistic target in terms of points through the first five matches? So I think 12 points is realistic, but I'm going to be ultra aggressive. I'm going to call it uh, four wins and a draw. Okay, so 13. Yeah, I think we're all pretty much on yeah. the same page there then. Okay, let's move on to the Coppa Italia. We'll, we'll go through this quickly because we're almost out of time. But we have the bracket now for the Coppa Italia. Because we finished third last season, we enter the competition in the round of 16, which will be played, I believe, in the second week of January. Gaetano, it looks like we got a pretty decent draw here. Uh, so, yeah, that's usually not our forte, getting good draws. Uh, but this one looks pretty favorable. <laughs> Listen, the Coppa Italia is, should be always a target for us. You know, any title we can put in the mantle is, is welcome, right? Some people kind of snuff at it. I think Coppa Italia is an important trophy for, for any club in, in Italy, but especially for us. So uh, having that, you know, a little bit of a favorable draw is a good thing. And hopefully we, you know, we catch a couple of breaks there too and, and we make a final. And then as we know, like anything happened, anything can happen in a final. But our road to the final, I think, is is one that could certainly, uh, we can make the case that we, we have a really good shot at, at getting there. For anyone who hasn't looked at that bracket, our likely path to the final would be Sassuolo, Roma, and then one of Milan or Fiorentina. Inter, Juve, Lazio, and Atalanta are on the other side of the bracket. So barring an injury crisis, I think getting to the final is a, a realistic objective. And then once you get there, I mean, anyone could win a, a single a single match. Vincenzo, do you think that should be a, a target to win the Coppa Italia? I think to Gaetano's point, one of the people kind of snuff at it a little bit, especially Napoli fans, because we've seen it enough times. And I think people want bigger glory. They want a Scudetto. You know, even a, a Europa League is probably considered more prestigious than than a Coppa Italia. I wonder how whether a Conference League is. Uh, I'm not even going to go there because I don't want us playing in the Conference League anyway. So I'm not, <laughs> I won't go there. But do you think it should be an objective to win the Coppa Italia, Vincenzo? I think so. In particular, if we have a good draw, it's right there. And like we we aren't some trophy laden club where we could say, "Oh, this trophy doesn't mean anything to us." Every trophy is a trophy that counts, and winning breeds winning. But obviously, if you have to prioritize, Scudetto is the main priority, and and then you want to have a good showing in Champions League. But hopefully, if we can keep our squad healthy, I believe we will have quite a bit of depth this year, more so than in the past, and we'll have a, a young squad. And the Coppa Italia games is where I want to see these young guys, maybe the depth guys who don't play week in, week out, show what they can offer. And, and we can rotate the squad, but still field a very competitive squad and let those guys take us, you know, at least to the later stages. Then, okay, if you make a semifinal final and you want to throw on a few more of the superstars, the starters, fine. But I'm, I'm all for going to win this trophy as long as we utilize our depth and are not playing the same guys in the Coppa Italia that we're playing in the Champions League and on the weekend. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that, especially if, you know, we are competing for the Scudetto and we're doing well in the Champions League. I think maybe things you might change your approach if if we've dropped so many points by that point that a Scudetto is not a realistic target, then you you shift gears a little bit. All right, before we wrap it up, we have a bit more information on the preseason for anyone who wants to follow the club during the summer. So let me provide some of those details. The retreat at Di Mauro will run from July 9th to the 19th. Most players should be arriving in Napoli for their medicals this week. I believe Politano and Ambrosino will not arrive until the 11th, which is, again, fed more of the speculation that Politano could be on his way to Valencia. We have two friendlies that have been scheduled for Di Mauro. On the 14th, we will play against Echelenza side, Anaune Valdinon. And then on the 16th, we'll play against Serie B club Perugia. The retreat at Castel di Sangro will run from July 23rd to August 6th. And the reports are that we're going to play four friendlies there. Three relatively weak Spanish clubs in Mallorca, Espanol, and Valladolid. Espanol finished 14th in La Liga last season. Mallorca finished 16th in La Liga. And Valladolid finished second in the Spanish Segunda. So they just got promoted back up to the top plate. So, I, I mean, generally, you kind of play these friendlies against weaker opposition. Maybe it's to boost confidence or whatever. Make sure you don't get any injuries. And then the other friendly is supposed to be against Turkish club Adana Demirspor. So we don't have the dates for those uh, matches yet, but I'll make sure to keep everyone informed. And 
you know, as we always do, we'll cover the entire preseason here on the podcast. All right, so that's where we're going to leave it. Uh, Vincenzo, any thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, no, other than to just, you know, I'm going to preach patience. I know everyone is anxious, but I do think, you know, as far as uh, our kits and everything, we'll get things earlier this season. It's not the first time self-producing. And, you know, I understand these stories. We get so involved in the transfer sagas, but, you know, the, the season will come around sooner. It's not going to be that long. Let's wait and see who we have, uh, you know, on our team and, and how we are, you know, before the season starts. And, and then we can, you know, decide whether we are going to be overly critical or overly optimistic. But I will just say I'm hoping and praying that we have a strong competition for Meret in between the sticks because I feel like a go- the goalie is such a key, crucial position that we can't afford to take any risks. But other than that, I'm really excited to have our first, I don't want to say post-COVID season because, of course, it's still there, but the first kind of season where we're starting more with normalcy, and I'm really looking forward to that. On the kids, I think we are going to get those soon. We're starting to see clubs this week have been releasing theirs. Milan released theirs. It's awful. Lazio's is pretty good. But yeah, we'll get ours and you know our, our new Instagram poster boy, Cristiano Ronaldo, will be rocking it all over uh, social media. <laughs> Gaetano, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, uh, you know, listen, it's uh, first of all, thanks again for having me on. It's uh, always a pleasure. It's always a lot of fun. No, I mean, listen, I, I just want to echo a couple of things that Vince said. We got everybody just got a un po' di calma, all right? Everybody calm down. It's early July. There's a lot of uh, a lot of time yet in the mercato, uh, which, of course, as you guys know, I have a lot of sources. So if anybody wants to follow me, <laughs> uh, no. But all kidding aside, listen. Let's just see how it goes. Um, Beritiro always breathes a little bit of energy into everybody, right? So let's enjoy that a little bit and see how the young kids fare. I'm really excited to see some of our Primavera players and some of our Lonies that are coming back to the home base will do here in this Retiro. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to, Joe. And hopefully we can discuss that, you know, going forward in uh, another episode. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the the younger guys kind of perform here the next uh, month or so. Absolutely. And actually, I, I highly recommend checking out Gaetano's uh, transfer rumors for, for everyone who's stressing out there. Just as a reminder, I mean, technically the season only started a couple of days ago. So let's not get ahead of ourselves as, as Vin and Gaetano both pointed out. It's a long summer, even with the season starting earlier. But if you need a little bit of comic relief and, and a sort of stress breaker, head over to Gaetano's uh, Twitter page at Solazzo underscore 1310 and they're they're occasional, but they're they're fantastic uh, little jokes, and I highly recommend that. You can find Vincenzo on Twitter at Vinbertilo, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti five, and the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fortsanapoli Pod. I will be back with another episode soon. I'm hoping to record a Mercato special with another guest. I'm just working on scheduling that, so stay tuned for that. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Sports Social Podcast Network.